I am taping this on Election Day, and we will send it out so you get it the morning after Election Day. And I want to talk about why gratitude matters the day after Election Day. We live in a season when polarization and the demonization of enemies and mistrust and even contempt and judgmentalism run rampant. And our emotions tend to get attached, particularly to the political arena. I'll talk about that more in a moment. And so gratitude on this day, regardless of what the outcome was, whether the person, people, party that you were hoping for won or did not win, gratitude on this day is particularly important because it reminds us of the one in whom we hope and where... Uh, the actual ability to change and save the world and the human race rests. So I want to start by reading a few words from Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Fitting means it's apt, it's appropriate. It fits with the way things are because God is a good God who sends us gifts every moment. And it's also fitting because it makes our lives better. Why would we not want to live with a sense of gratitude? Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. So if you want to today, you can give a little shout. And then it goes on to say this, from the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all humanity. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Our hope is in God, and we are grateful because God is good and God is able. One of the striking things about the Bible is you you never see a passage that says, oh, thank God that Nero is emperor, or Marcus Aurelius, or Pickham, or thank God that Pliny the Younger is our governor now, not, not that terrible Pliny the Elder. Uh, Politics is a very significant and important sphere of life, but it is only one sphere, and it's not the ultimate one. So, sociologist James Davidson Hunter, and he wrote a book called To Change the World. One of the striking observations he makes in that book is that when a society is healthy and vibrant, it has many different spheres that are quite robust. Art, philanthropy, education, religion, because then people recognize all of those can have deep impact in forming a flourishing culture and uh, vital human beings. But Hunter says, when a society begins to fracture and fragment and become fragile and unhealthy, everybody gravitates to political power. Why would that happen? It's because politics is the only sphere that has access to coercive power. If you get political power, then you can make people do what you want. You don't have to change their minds or touch their hearts. You can just force them. And so in a time when things are fragmented, people will think the only relevancy is political relevancy. And if our side can just get in, we can make the other side do what we want to do because we're holding the reins. And we live in a day that is governed very much by that kind of thought and that kind of spirit. So often it's thought that the only kind of relevance is political relevance. 
Uh, I am in Texas right now in a place of remarkable beauty. They say everything is bigger in Texas. This is a 30,000 acre ranch that I'm at. And the beauty here is staggering. I'm with a group of pastors that want to think and talk and dream and pray together. And one of the themes that keeps coming up in pastors of churches in our day at this event is they say more and more and more the people in their churches uh, have a more primary identity from political affiliation than from spiritual affiliation or connection to Jesus. And so they get quite suspicious in the church and they think that the choice of every sermon is really a political message about, am I on this side or am I on that side? And uh, get hypervigilant to try to detect. There is a good reason why Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world and why when he was offered a crown, he refused it. Because ultimately, as we've talked about before, the core, what is central to a person is the heart or the will, the ability to choose. And you cannot coerce that. You can force somebody's body to comply. You cannot change the will with coercive power. And that's why God's kingdom rests on something much greater. And that's part of why we are so grateful. We're headed towards Thanksgiving. That's why we're doing this gratitude challenge. And it's very striking that uh, the practice of thanksgiving has been most meaningful for our nation when life has been the hardest, not the easiest. So um, that first thanksgiving was observed after the pilgrims had come over. And the first year they had to spend the winter mostly on the boat. By the time they had their first New England spring, less than half of those who came on the Mayflower had survived. And then when Thanksgiving got formalized as a uh, national holiday, it was in the midst of the most costly and bloody war that our nation has ever been involved in, the Civil War. And it was a proclamation by Abraham Lincoln. I want to read a couple of words as you get ready to accept the gratitude challenge for this day. And think about God's goodness for you. And the particular challenge for today is to connect the dots of the gifts back to God so that our focus is not on um, who's king or horses, technology, military, or economic power, because that's not where our salvation lies. Those are important spheres. They're important matters. We ought to think about them diligently, vote, be involved. They are not where salvation lies. It lies with God. There's a biography of Abraham Lincoln out now called um, And There Was Light. It's by the historian John Meacham. He takes the quote from a statement by Frederick Douglass in the 1850s where Douglass is talking about America and the problem of racism and slavery, but also God's calling on us. And he said that... Uh, God said, let there be light, and that edict has not lost its force. And there was light. Meacham tells many stories about Lincoln's humility. And part of what made Lincoln quite remarkable, I think, is the combination of a remarkably strong, tenacious will, uh, coupled with a deep sense of humility. He was... Uh, uh, quite famous for often poking fun at himself for how homely he was. He would tell stories like a woman came up to him one time and said, you're the homeliest man I have ever seen. And he said, well, I can't help that. And she said, no, but you might stay home. And there's another story in Meacham's book about 
a man came up and saw Lincoln and raised his gun. And Lincoln said, what are you doing? And the man said, I had made a vow to myself. If I ever came across a person uglier than me, I was going to shoot him. And Lincoln said, lift up your hat so I can see your face. And the guy did. And Lincoln said, if I'm uglier than that, go ahead and fire away. Anyway, lots of stories about Lincoln's humility. And as we have seen, there's a real connection between uh, humility and the capacity for gratitude because it's only the humble that say, I'm not entitled. I didn't earn or merit this by my great good looks or charisma or gifts or intelligent. God, this is a gift. This world is a gift. So uh, in the midst of the Civil War, uh, Lincoln issued a proclamation, and this was when Thanksgiving that had begun back in the 1600s and been renewed by George Washington in 1789, now got consolidated as a national holiday. And uh, here's part of what the uh, proclamation said. We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. So now, if you have a gratitude journal, spend a few moments thinking about gifts that you have received that you that have come to you today uh and if not you can do this in your mind right now and be grateful today we humble ourselves i didn't deserve earn merit the gift of life the gift of friends supremely the gift of jesus who is the only one that can save today in a day when lots of people will be uh emotionally elated or cast down because of circumstances in the human realm. Today, let's be grateful that there is one who sits on the throne, who governs the affairs of this world, who holds us in his hands, who loves red states and blue states, loves people of every kind in whose care we live. As Quig used to say, we have lots to be grateful for. Thanks for joining us. To receive the emails that go along with each video, visit becomenew.me slash subscribe. If you'd like a text alert whenever a new video is posted, text the word become to the phone number 855-888-0444. You can send prayer requests to that number as well. To invite a friend, just share the link becomenew.me. We'll see you next time.